Canada isn't going to be calling the shots. Um, I mean, he's the offensive coordinator. Who's Donald big. Trump will not like that. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle empire. Let's talk about the actual Big Ten. Yeah, so as we mentioned, um, Minnesota got a little bit of a preview of their week one opponent in New Mexico State. Um, I think Minnesota is going to do pretty well here. Uh, it's, uh, it's a game that's set up for them to win because New Mexico State allowed Wyoming to run all over them. And you know, it's not like Wyoming's running out a couple of SE transfer thing. They're running back with previously anonymous guy, Nico Evans, 206 and a couple of scores. He only had 25 carries to get there. Um, so for a team that's starting a true freshman quarterback, if you want your week one opponent to be vulnerable against the run, you've got that box checked off. Um, if you can, if any of you out there in listener land do the weekly fantasy thing with college football, you might want to give Rodney Smith a look because there's a chance he's going to be getting, you know, racking up some big numbers. Well, and I mean, you know, whether, whether it be to minimize risk or just to keep the playbook simplified to not give it on tape, they're probably going to give him a lot of carries too. Or not, not necessarily even him, but they're going to be putting a lot of carries on the ground. Right, and it we don't really know what Minnesota's carry distribution behind Smith is going to look like. He figures to one A, one B. Um, they're probably going to want to give him as many carries in the game. On the other hand, because of that, maybe they don't want to lead on him, so they get a lead early, they take him out. Um, but still, this should be a game that Minnesota will lead. Um, I guess we're obliged to talk about them naming the freshman walk-on Zach Onyxstad as the quarterback. Um, the greatest story ever told. And you better believe it's going to be told over and over and over and over and over. From a benchwarming spot at IMG Academy. And over and over and over and over and over. Um, from a, from the humble beginning in Mankato, Minnesota, to the bench at IMG Academy in Florida, to the starting gig over hyped-up quarterback prospect Arthur Sitkowski, this is Zach Anikstad's coming home story. And you can bet that we're going to be giving it the full-on Disney treatment, giving it several remakes, we're going to give it a dark and gritty reboot in 15 years. The awesome story of how Zach Anikstad, the walk-on, to Minnesota, got the starting gig at IMG Academy over Rutgers superstar-to-be Arthur Sikowski. Can't wait for 2043 Oscar-nominated film, you know, remake of this whole story with Bale Jr. as Zach Onyxdod. Why are you on a bench, man? Oh, man, and then who's, uh, who's, who, who plays Arthur Sikowski? Uh, um, Nicholas Cage, <laughs> probably. Well, based on based on his uh, based on his erraticness with the ball, uh, Nick Cage is not really a bad choice. So anyway, so if if you're not clear what exactly we're talking about here, um, freshly named Minnesota quarterback Zach Onyxstad did in fact attend the same high school as freshly named Rutgers quarterback Archer Sitkowski. Um, Sitkowski was a star at the beginning of the year. He then got hurt. He got pipped a little bit. Like he was he, the job and played well. And Sitkowski was at one point a, a four-star recruit, top 250. He was committed to Miami. Um, it's not known if he decommitted or they forced him out. They forced him out. Um, but and now Rutgers thinks that they have a gem on their hand. When it turns out that the you know the evaluations of the number of carrots this gem may be a little bit outdated. And he does, to be clear, still have some upside. Yeah. But he showed an awful lot of downside as well since he reached that recruiting peak, if you will. And we'll get to Rutgers. A little, we'll talk him, about him a little bit more when we get to Rutgers. But because, I mean, Onyxstad is technically a walk-on, yes. He had offers from other programs. Um, his dad was an NFL quarterback for a while, I believe. So it's not like he really needed covered for a scholarship anyway. Um, and it's not that big of a surprise, really, because as far as I know, the only other quarterback Minnesota has is the redshirt freshman Tanner Morgan, who was a scholarship guy, but it's not like he's got a lot of snaps under his belt either. Um, I'm surprised we haven't heard about him transferring, by the way, but... Well, I mean, did... 
Did he did the question is how's his door throw his door closing mechanics? Did he damage a door by closing it too hard? That's still one of the weirdest things I've ever heard in my life. Um, but yeah, you but so look, we've told you this story now so we can get it out of the way and we hopefully never have to tell it again because both of these guys are freshmen. Can you imagine if they both play out their eligibility? We're gonna be hearing about this story in 2021, man. It's still it's never gonna go away. They're just gonna it, keep talking gonna, about it. It's gonna it's be gonna be the the Brady versus Manning of like really shitty Big Ten football. It's gonna this is the Stone Cold Perry Hills was a wrestler uninteresting thing that broadcasters will never stop repeating fact of the year. Fact of the next four years. We're just gonna we're gonna rename this fact the fact of the year for the next four years. What's a great shitty NFL divisional quarterback battle like uh I almost want to say like um like Dalton versus Cleveland quarterback X. I mean just oh, one that one, one that kept up for a bit here. Let's see what about like 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 Chad Pennington versus Jay Fiedler. No, I'm getting my timelines confused. <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about, though. It's going to be like, oh, man, faded blood rivals, but it's not quite Goku versus Vegeta. It's kind of more like... Um, Jay Cutler versus whoever the Raiders were back for car. So anyway, I think that we've talked quite enough about what's going to end up probably being some like fairly middle-of-the-road quarterbacks. Northwestern at Purdue, we've got a conference game. Right here in week one. Because... I need to hear a hot take from you on whether you like conference games in week one or not. Go. I just don't see why we need to be trying to keep up with things that the SEC tried to put in because we've generally tended to be a leader in the direction of these things. I mean, we started the whole th- the whole idea where a uh, college football conference doesn't necessarily have anything to do with rivalries, traditional, traditional, uh, traditional aspects of the game, the regional aspects of the game, or you know, a common cultural identity and is more about shoving your TV network into as many homes as possible. So why exactly are we now piggybacking on this thing where the SEC, desperate to get viewership for their fledgling network, decided, oh, let's put a conference game in week one, you know, as opposed, because SEC teams, of course, can't ever play anybody worth a damn in week one. So yeah, you've got to make an event out of it somehow. Okay, well, I mean, Alabama does play Louisville. Auburn plays Washington, LSU, Miami, so... Well, but at the, at, the time that, at the time that the SEC started doing this, though, those kind of things generally didn't happen. Right, right, right. I, I get what you're saying. So, I mean, are, are we agreeing that this is basically a step in the direction of mimicking some SEC scheduling patterns? Because if we are, have they or have they not been consistently getting the most teams in the national title picture for well over a decade? Have they or have they not? They have. Yeah, they have. absolutely. They have. And part of the reason they do that is because at the tail end of the season, the games that we know matter more for rankings and placement in these, these playoffs and the bowls and everything. They play Furman. Right. <laughs> and they never lose those games. So there's a week towards the end of the season where no SEC teams are going to lose. And that helps them in the rankings. Well, they get a bye week late in the season, essentially. Right. But a bye week that ends up being a, t- a notch in the win column. Exactly. It, look, and unless and until... There's uniform scheduling policy across all of college football, and everybody has to play nine conference games, which I think would be ideal. Uh, and there's some incentive with the playoff to schedule strong games the first few weeks of the season. This is what we're going to see. For, we're going to see a lot of teams scheduling. I mean, these marquee games are great, but there's really not that many of them. There's only a handful every year. There's plenty more good teams that are playing direct weekend that could be playing each other instead. So unless and until there's some pressure to unify schedules in some way, 
we may as well go with what works. And this model is what we're, I'm not saying drop down it back to eight conference games because we already don't play each other enough in team conference. But this idea of putting, I mean, first of all, isn't this a much more interesting game than Northwestern versus Eastern Illinois, even though I know you would laugh your ass off when it's that game? <laughs> I mean, isn't this more interesting that we have a game immediately that's very meaningful? The only counter argument I see is that maybe you want a warm-up game or two so that you get what your team actually is, that they're not warming up anymore. You start playing the more meaningful games. Um, but, I mean, they've got off-season camp for that, man. They've got fall camp. They have some conditioning. They'll have a lot of the better teams will have been through bowl practice, bowl game, not all that long ago. I mean, isn't it good that we get into a meaningful game like this right away? I mean, this is a division game. This means a lot for if either of these teams want to challenge Wisconsin, this is a game that they both need to win. I'll tell you what, I'd be way more excited about this as a Purdue fan than as a Northwestern fan for a couple of reasons. One, oh, yeah. one Northwestern is kind of, I mean, not the champion because they're never the champion of anything, but Purdue is challenging them for their spot below Wisconsin, and Purdue's got everything to win to, to gain here by being hot. Northwestern's got everything to lose by you know, by losing to a team that they were better than last year. And the other reason is because September Northwestern is a very bad team. Sure. And so those are really team-specific reasons for why you might or might not want this game. Because for all the reasons that you just mentioned about Northwestern, Purdue is kind of the opposite. They went on a little bit of a roll at the end of the season, finished up not you know, punching rival Indiana in the face to get bowl eligible, and then beating up on an Arizona team that had a Heisman-level player at quarterback, um, albeit one that's about what they had ready. Um, so Purdue's got a very, maybe a very different angle as Northwestern, but I think Northwestern's going to be afraid of Purdue in week one. I like that we get this right out of the gate. Um, and it's an intriguing matchup up too. I mean, Northwestern, as we've discussed before, has been one of the more undervalued, underappreciated programs in the conference, consistently a picture for 10 wins. Um, they should be good again this year. They still have a lot of the pieces that they had last season. Purdue is definitely a team with their arrow pointing affirmatively up, and this really is a game, in my mind, to see. It's basically between these two and Iowa to see if anybody's going to be able to take a, a credible swing at Wisconsin for division this year. So I like that we get this right away. Man, do, do we actually... Okay, so Clayton Thorson is supposed to start this game. Yeah, I mean, according to our source, to our inside sauces at uh, at Big Ten Media Days, he was walking around uh, unrestricted then, and that was a while ago. Um, I haven't checked He's going to be needing to do a lot more than walk around, though. You never know. Starting doesn't necessarily mean that they haven't maybe changed the playbook to minimize risk to him, uh, and that he might not play the whole game. Who knows? He might not be at 100%, but they might want to force Purdue to game plan for him. Well, sure. Um, but as you may recall from our quite some time ago now preview, Purdue's losing a lot defensively anyway. This has the feel when we, and we didn't actually get to a prediction on Minnesota because I think we both expect that to be a bit of a walk for them. But yeah. when we're talking about a prediction for this game, I expect kind of a high scoring affair. Now that said, our predictions are spectacularly wrong, especially in the year, but um, I would expect this game to get into the 30s on both sides at least. I mean, these are offenses that can sling it around a little bit. They both have enough wrinkles in them that they can be tough to defend. In that way, maybe it's helpful for the defenses that it's an early season game, so you have more to prepare for with you know northwestern short passing game um purdue with the brom fence having a little more time to prep for it might hold those numbers down a bit but i expect this game to get into the upper 30s yeah i mean i kind of i kind of think that northwestern is best served just running the ball 50 times in this game because i think that they're going to be able to get away with keeping it pretty simple against uh as we mentioned a depleted defense especially uh especially a linebacker and i i think even without, I mean, Thorson is supposed to start, but even if he's very limited and doesn't play the whole game, I, I still think that Northwestern should have an advantage 
That being said, uh, who knows? It's September Northwestern. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's injured and then there's injured, right? I mean, think back to Byron Leftwich with Jaguars when the guy was like, they would like stick him in a wheelbarrow around to play so that he could ball. I mean, there's injured and then there's injured. It seems as though Thorson is going to be just fine. He may be a little rusty still. Well, I mean, it seemed as though Dan Persa was going to win the Heisman. Oh, who would ever say that? I mean, who would ever put that in promotional (laughs) materials? What a posture. All right. So moving on to our Friday games. Now, by the way, both of those first two games are going to be on Thursday night. So don't forget, because that means we're only we plan to drop this either Tuesday or Wednesday. So we'll only be a day or two away from Big Ten football. Can you believe it? Can you believe it, folks? Aren't you hyped? Oh, somebody's hyped. Are you hyped? I just hyped the hail, oh, man. Oh, are you hyped? Yeah, if I can tell all of you personally, I'm going to be missing a number of games later in the season. Uh, various weddings and vacations and very disgruntled about it but the flip side of that is this weekend i have the house to myself the dog and i shall have a main line of football far as the eye can see as long as they're playing football between thursday night and monday night <laughs> yeah, see, i just know that on my calendar right like I've, I've got three weddings during illinois games and i i don't know what dates they are all i know is that they're the wisconsin game the iowa game and the maryland game so uh, uh, to an extent, sports can pretty easily help you keep track of major events in your life when people decide to schedule things around them. I got a damn wedding during the... Oh, yikes. Yikes, 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 yikes. I'm gonna punish this open bar. It's gonna be a mistake to have invited me. But I'll be happy to be there. This the friends if I've all been there. It's more likely... Alright, that's why I'll keep repeating myself anyway. So moving on, we got a lot more games to cover here. Man, we are not in form yet. We are, we are struggling on these. Um, Utah State and MSU, first game on Friday night. You're the outsider here. What do you tell me about? Utah State is one of these teams that people really kind of like to pick as your hip outsider pick for the Mountain West. And I don't know. There are so many pretenders to the throne in that conference that uh, it's really hard to to see what they have to offer. A lot of them kind of try to do the same thing that Boise does in that you got to shore up the you got to shore up the run defense to make teams do other things. Um, Especially since there's so many good running attacks in the Mountain West. Essentially, I think it's a bad matchup at Michigan State, and I, I think that it might be a bit of a frustrating first half for State fans as they keep the offense vanilla and get a bit of resistance from the defense, but they're going to pull away in the second half, and it's, it's going to be pretty comfortable. I would, I would agree with that take. They may not bother pulling away in the second half. I mean, there are tie For Mark D'Antonio, we've seen that in some cases, two scores is more than enough. And Didn't they have like a 14-6 win over Furman a couple years ago? Something, something like that. that, but that was also in season. So. Oh, it was. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, they oh. did. They had a closer than okay. necessary game against well Furman. Well, then. That may not have had anything to do with them taking the foot off the gas volunteer. Um, I would finish my drink, too, if I hadn't already. You know, looking at this game, Michigan State did hit a bit of a high note last year. Probably played their best game of the season, the Bowl. Um, didn't have any real offseason storylines other than we've already discussed. I mean, of guys coming or going. They had a couple players transfer who were not really in playing rotation. They did lose a couple wide receivers, but without getting too much deeper in the roster team by team preview, um, I do like State's personnel, at least in the front line overall. I like to see a couple of the reserves, particularly at the offense skill positions, but. Other than that, it's it's a typical season over. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So moving on, um, right? You expect state to win, maybe not comfortably, but you know. I think the last line I saw was something like eighteen points or twenty to twenty-one points, something like that, somewhere between two and three touchdowns. Uh, that probably feels about right. It's very unusual for them to just blow a team away, even against more matchups. So I would expect it to be relative, but I'd expect them. if they don't, something is clear. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't be unprecedented, but it would be a surprise. So, Western Kentucky, 
uh, takes on Wisconsin then. And Western Kentucky had a strange season where they ended up in a bowl game, Mm -hmm. but it was mostly because... They played a lot of bad teams. And there's also like 56 bowl games now, so... But I mean, like, their wins last year were against Eastern Kentucky, Ball State, one of the worst MAC teams in a long time, uh, Charlotte, still struggling to find any footing in FBS, yeah. uh, UT El Paso, which was just horrible, uh, Old Dominion, which has been struggling, um, and Middle Tennessee in overtime. So <laughs> they, they lost games to FIU. They lost to 2017 Illinois. I mean, 20 to 7. <laughs> Enough said. Um, so, look, yeah, this is normally in a game like this where Wisconsin's recently found out that they're missing a couple big pieces of their passing game. We'd be very curious to see what their offense looks like without them. I don't think we're going to because Jonathan Taylor and uh, who's the backup? Groshek, I think his name is. There's not really going to be much need for Wisconsin to ball at all in this game. I still kind of wonder if they're going to explore some of that stuff and see what they've got on their hand. Uh, I think Wisconsin has a pretty early game against Iowa. Most likely going to need all him back. Yeah, Western Kentucky might have some problems here transitioning away from the Jeff Brom era. He had a lot of the... Mike Sanford had a lot of the players left over from last year's team. Uh, But Mike White now has gone to the... uh, Well, it's gone to the NFL. So... He's got some rebuilding to do. This is not going to be a challenge. Wisconsin might only win 28 to nothing or something, or 21 to nothing, but it'll feel like a lot, a lot bigger of a margin. Kent State at Illinois. All right. Kent State comes into this as a, a historically bad MAC team. They're likely to basically be Kent State. And, of course, last year we had what turned out to be a historically bad MAC team, uh, in town for the week one, and we needed a blocked field goal to knock them off. However, as I've said repeatedly, I'm excited for this season because for the first time since 2014, I expect Illinois to be better than last year. So we're going to see a new quarterback. Uh, A.J. Bush is going to get the start, the guy that we completely forgot to mention in uh, talking about our summer preview of Illinois because I just didn't actually think he'd be a factor. Uh, Guess shows you how accurate our predictions are. I'm hoping that uh, we put up some points because... You know, we don't necessarily need to show the entire playbook, but it would kind of be nice if we acknowledged, hey, the fans could use some reassurance that, yes, we do actually have an offensive game plan now. Because that was the whole idea, is that we need to run a coherent offense. So we brought in an offensive coordinator. Right, and that in the best of situations, when you have a talent advantage, you still have things together well enough to be able to blow a team out. Like, I I feel like that that would be a very reassuring thing. Yes, we've got huge offensive linemen and huge defensive linemen. That's usually the kind of thing that you pretty much just need bigger, stronger linemen to win games like this. Yeah, if you can't just lean forward in a game like this and, and succeed, then something something is not right, and that would be unfortunate at stage. Famous last words. I fully expect to win this game convincingly. Remember where you heard that first. All right, moving on to Texas State versus Rutgers. What do you see in this game? Do you have to see this game at all? Well, I mean, it is, it is Rutgers. Uh... Of course, you've got the, uh, what, the the Polish Rifle 2.0, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm always curious to see how a true freshman quarterback does, so I'll probably take a look at this game. Um, we'll be interested to see if all of the suspensions have any effect on the Rutgers defense. This, again, is another game where they should have enough of an advantage on paper, even with the guys they've lost, that I would expect it to be comfortable. But it is also first game for a new quarterback, so let's see if he looks the part. Um, you know, the fact that in year, this is year three of Chris Ash, right? That they've yes. had to throw the keys to a true freshman is maybe not all that promising for the development of the 
guys they already had on the roster. Um, <clears throat> so this is a point in his tenure where it feels like they really need to get this right. <clears throat> it won't. It's not like Sikowski needs to go out there and be 30 for 35 for 400 yards or something in his first game, but if he doesn't look like he can play, again, like I said, if he doesn't look the part, um, then we know Chris Ash may have may have gambled, may have made a gamble that he's not going to Well, this is a long-term thing in my opinion because you've got a, yet another new offensive coordinator, but you hope with this guy, uh, McNulty, that they brought in with his whole tenure, his pedigree, you hope that this is the guy that's going to stick around and build you your first coherent offense under Chris Ash because they've struggled massively to produce any kind of offense. So Sitkowski might not, have, you know, you wanted to just kind of, basically you don't want to destroy the young man's psyche. You want him to be able to, to, to do some things in the offense. You're developing him not for this year. You're developing him for the future. So maybe, you know, you want to see if they can take care of the guy. And Texas then, State yeah. is bad. They are a very, very bad team. They finished 12th place in the Sun Belt. They only beat, they only managed to beat uh, Coastal Carolina. And what in the, what in God's name is HBU? Houston Baptist. That's got to be an F. Um, yep. So, all right. I know I said that this is an important gamble for him to win. Um, I do think that you're right in that by making a decision to go with a guy for four years, it tells me that they're look they're making their long play now. Um, exactly. You're looking for you're looking for true senior Arthur Sitkowski in his fourth year running this same offense. Yeah. To to lead this team and be the guy that brings him to the promised land, but not right now. Yeah, hopefully with like 20-some wins under his belt by then, if you're a Rutgers. What this well, it, it could be 10 wins. Remember, this is three seasons from now. Sure. <laughs> like I said, this is what they hope for. Um, you know, what this reminds me of is Daryl Hazel making play to start Danny Atlas, um, the freshman. I think it has a much better chance of succeeding because there's a lot more infrastructure at place at Rutgers now than there was Purdue at that time. I think maybe Hazel underestimated the degree to which he would have to rebuild that roster. And as much as Rutgers hasn't had overwhelming success in terms of results, they do have a more competitive roster for this part now than they did when Chris Ash came there. So I think the, the gambit of playing the true freshman with the high ceiling and the hopes that for time, he and the rest of this, because they got a lot of young skill players as well, that he and those guys all grow together. And by the time they're all upperclassmen, this thing really clicks. Um, this feels like a, a wager that could work out for me. Is it really fair, though, to compare Archer Sitkowski to NFL quarterback Danny, the Duke of Touchdowns, Etling. You know, the fact of the matter is, the last couple of years, Danny Etling was actually pretty good for LSU for an, for a passing offense that was really just a catastrophe despite having great athletes. Etling, look at his numbers, if you don't believe me. Danny Etling turned out to be a decent quarterback at LSU, um, and he's playing for the freaking Patriots now, who know something about finding quarterbacks in the late rounds. I'm not saying oh, gonna, boy. You know what? Yeah. He's going to, I don't know, if I'll Tom leave. Brady goes down for a game or gets suspended or something, he is going to have a game where he looks great, and then he's going to get a big free agent contract, and he's not going to do shit after that, So ever. you're saying he's Matt Castle, Mike Garoppolo. <laughs> That's, hey, look, if <laughs> for a guy who... Uh, okay, Jimmy Garoppolo has only played six games. Let's also remember that. Right, and you got like a $100 million contract or something. What I'm yep. saying is... So he got the big contract. Let's see if he produces. Even if he bombs out, though, is that really that bad of fate for... Is Matt Castle's career that bad of a fate for Danny Atling, giving that... He goes from being the golden boy to in a feudal competition with two or three other quarterbacks transferring out from the team he committed to, going to the, the home of misfit quarterbacks in LSU. They're once again going to be starting a big transfer. Joe Burrow's not the starter at LSU. I don't, 
be, I would be astounded. Wow. Um, totally lost my train of thought there. But so in any case, well, uh, when there wasn't there a game where two former Purdue starting quarterbacks faced off each other in an SEC conference game? Yeah, right? Austin Appleby was, versus Danny Etling. Yeah, yeah, and they both they're both starters at major SEC. It's not. It wasn't like Kentucky versus you know Vanderbilt or something. It was LSU and Florida, man. So uh, you know, as much as they struggled up here, I think maybe that's some evidence that they weren't the entire problem. So again, just to sort of wrap it up, um, the whole playing a true freshman quarterback thing, there's always risk involved. It feels like if there's a time to do it, to do that, this is probably it. Um, you know, short of, short of something like having a Jake Fromm at Georgia or whatever, where the kid is just unbelievable top 10 overall type prospect and you really can't keep him off the field. Um, other than that, this is pretty much the only circumstance where you want to start a true freshman. When your program is in a position where you need to make your play for the long game. That's where Chris Ash is right now. Uh, let's be clear. If Rutgers loses this game, there's going to be some pretty serious hot takes fired up. This would be a bad loss. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This would be worse than Eastern Michigan last Substantially year. Substantially worse. Even because they were coming off one of the worst Big Ten seasons ever. There was like there was virtually no expectation other than don't be one of the worst teams we've ever seen. Okay, but now this year they're coming off of a hey, maybe they've got something type of season. Yeah, I'm, losing this game would, would basically would, would set your expectations back to this would... <laughs> think of what our power rankings in this on, on this blog would be if Rutgers loses this game, regardless of what happens elsewhere, regardless of who loses what anywhere else. Is there anywhere for Rutgers to be but 14th if they lose this game? No, not at all. Um, well, it depends on how Illinois does. Because uh, <laughs> if Illinois loses this game, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. There's, there's no two ways about it. Stay tuned. <laughs> so anyway. So now we go on to one of the more interesting non-conference games we've got to end the seed. Texas and Maryland. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, I feel very different about this than I did a couple of months ago. Because I don't know who their head coach is going to be at this point. No, it, it seems at this point, like we said when we were talking about the issue beforehand, that um, Matt Canada, as the interim head, is going to be in charge for this game at least. Uh, it doesn't appear anyone expects the investigation to be done or the seat again. So Canada isn't going to be calling the shots. Um, I mean, he's the offensive coordinator. Who's Donald be- Trump will not like that. Yeah, he's going to get us into a trade war with Maryland. Um, I wonder, is, is the White House on the Maryland or the D.C. or the Virginia side of... Yeah, anyway. Um, well, I mean, what, at one point, Virginia was coached by London, right? So then you have London and Canada calling all the shots, you know, on either side of the of the White House then. Unacceptable uh, <laughs> pressure, but that's fine. Right so as far as this game goes on the field, um, last season was such a surprise. Given where these teams are now, do you have any idea what to expect from this game? No, none, not at all. I really don't. I mean, I expect Texas to be better, but I, I don't know if I expect Maryland to be better than they were when they played Texas. They're going to be better than they were late last season, but how good were they when they played Texas? Nobody will ever know. Well, when they played Texas last year, they were quite good, but that was also because they Or had... was Texas not that good? I don't know. Schrodinger's Texas. Uh, so that, that really is quite a quandary because... You know, Texas did have growing pains under Tom Herman, and Maryland fell apart. Yeah, I mean, I still have no idea. I mean, I don't, as far as I know, I don't think Maryland had named starting quarterback. They still have multiple candidates there. Um, it ain't the pig. Is it? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't remember if they made that public or not. I would expect that to be the guy because he was the guy last year, and he Ooh, looked Bigley very is good. Wiggly. He looked very good when he was in there, so whether it's him, whether it's Kasim Hill, I would guess it's going to be one of those two guys. I don't think they're, I don't think they're in any hurry to go back to the, uh, to the Borton Schlager. Bort. Yeah. So. All right, so I would expect Texas to win this one just because Texas knows what its head coach is going to be. I mean, 
I suppose, yeah. It, you, you don't have any... I have no comfort uh, yeah. predicting this game at all. I think Texas is probably still the better team on paper. I'm interested to see, again, I've this has been the season that Maryland's been building to for a number of years. They've got a ton of talent on the offensive line, a recruiting standpoint, experience. They still have Ty Johnson, O'Harrison. Um, their passing game is probably going to be a little wonky regardless, just because of the lack of receiving options, regardless of who the quarterback is. But this is a game where they should be able to run and run well against a Texas defense that was pretty good, has lost a lot of guys recently. Um, let's see what we got here. I know Texas named Sam a quarterback. He was pretty good for them last year, then I think he got hurt. They've done the thing where somehow Texas can't find a starting quarterback once again, um, you know, despite most of the best quarterbacks in the country being out of Texas every year. So, uh, yeah, no no idea what to think about this game, but let's just let's just punt on it and move on. That's what Well, you know, if you look at if you look at coaching staff stability, okay, the news about Urban Meyer, you know that he's staying means that Tom Herman is going to stay put at Texas for at least another year, right? Oh man, that's the angle we forgot about the whole <laughs> Urban thing. Remember for like a minute when there was this rumor that Tom Herman was the guy who narked about this whole thing, oh. and then, well, and then like he came out and immediately denied it. Like, no, 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 I didn't have, didn't have it. Wouldn't that be the Mensa play to make though, if your ultimate goal is to be back at Ohio State? But I mean, like, if you take it out of Texas, they're paying you. Why do you want to go yeah. back to Ohio State? Well, ah. see, I I thought for a second what was going to happen with this whole Urban Meyer thing was that he was going to resign. Uh, immediately take an unpaid internship uh, on Nick Saban's staff. Uh, Tom Herman, meanwhile, will basically agree behind closed doors to become the Ohio State head coach next year, divert his whole recruiting class there. So then he becomes the Ohio State head coach. They immediately are a national title contender. Uh, Urban Meyer spends 2018 and 2019 on Nick Saban's staff until Notre Dame gets sick of Brian Kelly underachieving with NFL-level talent, and then Urban Meyer becomes the new head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Shit, man. You could, like, write plot lines for WWE. Like, you're thinking way far out with this character. So, in any case, we found a way to link Texas uh, to the Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, that it was, like, a very brief interlude where that was a possible, where that was an aspect of his story. Um, but anyway, moving on to Oregon State versus Ohio State. Yes, it's true Urban Meyer will not be at the game. He's not supposed to be involved with the preparations. Do you think this game is going to be a game past the first quarter? It's going to be like 28 to nothing about 20 minutes into the game. So no. So no, not at all. Yeah, Oregon State's probably going to be the worst Power 5 team this year. Can be arm wrestle of Kansas for that particular dishonor. Um, not a chance that this game competitive at all. Ohio State could walk out there with no coaches on the field whatsoever. The players would, I think, still figure out how to beat Oregon State pretty easily. Hey, if you want to hear about four, roughly four hours of people exhausting every possible angle about the current Urban Meyer situation, watch Oregon State at Ohio State because that is all they're going to talk they about. They're going to be talking about the game. So, yeah, that's, that's the game this weekend that I might pass. Um, now we've got an interesting one, though. Northern Illinois, or, yeah, Northern Illinois and Iowa. Um, this, of course, interesting, not only because Northern Illinois is one of the stronger MAC programs, uh, and Iowa has shown a certain vulnerability to those in the last few years, but also because... Those two suspensions we mentioned earlier on the offensive line, specifically the tackle spots, very relevant in this game. Um, Northern Iowa's got a young man by the name of Sutton Smith playing for him. If you don't know his name now, you'll learn it soon because the guy's an absolute monster of a defensive lineman, probably going to be a first-rounder in next draft. Um, Iowa's quarterback, Nate Stanley, not what you would call um, a mobile or elusive quarterback. He's a big guy. He can shuck off a hit, but how many hits? Um, and with this being the first game of the season, how many hits do you want your quarterback to take from, again, a raging beast like Sutton Smith? And to be clear, we are still talking about Northern Illinois. You said Northern Iowa, and I know that you wanted it to be Northern Iowa that had this ma nightmare matchup, but it's just a little bit less funny. It's still pretty funny. So anyway, Northern Illinois, um, 
yeah, always a thorn in the side of the Big Ten. And I frankly kind of expect, I kind of expect them to... All right. Are you I'm, calling it? Are you calling yeah, I'm it? Calling it. I'm calling, calling it. it. I'm calling it. I'm going to call my shot here. I'm going to call my shot. Northern Illinois beats Iowa. And for all of you out there in listener land, this is an impressive concentration on the call because uh, the house dog R2 is right now slurping Thump's left arm just persistently. And now he's, he's giving him this look like, you know what this was. Why are you Why are you surprised that I'm doing this? Well, you know, and the other thing is maybe, just maybe, I'm being influenced here by this Husky. R2 but supports the Huskies. Yeah, I'm currently... I'm currently, maybe it's just because my elbow is covered in husky slobber, but I'm feeling very positive about the huskies right here. Because, frankly, that they've, Northern Illinois does have a pretty good defensive front. A defensive front that would probably be, like, you know, the front seven that would probably not be the worst in the Big Ten. Are you, you want to make a guess prediction? Yeah, I'm call, I'll call it, I'm calling it too. The hell of it. We're both picking Northern Illinois. That's my good boy. Yep. Are we all in agreement that the Huskies are uh, are supreme here? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, in any case, we will be we will be happy to be told uh, we'll be happy to be told how uh, how correct we were when this comes to pass. Yeah, I'm sure Iowa fans wouldn't remind us of anything that happened in the past. They're good at things. So, uh, moving on to F State versus Penn State. Uh, do you do you see a 2006 replay here? I don't. No. F State's a decent program. They've adjusted now to life uh, to life at FBS level, but the talent edge here should be overwhelming. Um, you could maybe see we'll we'll see if Penn State has issues to iron out with the number of guys they lost defensively and offensively. They had pretty good turnover on both sides of the ball. Um, Trace McSorley in a pretty good offensive line with the weapons they've got to run with. They shouldn't need to have everything installed <clears throat> week one to, to win this one pretty easy. Well, unless he plays McPorley, then we are going <laughs> to see yet another one of these just absolute, like, stompings. We're going to have a few of them this week. Um, yeah. There, there, there's really a few categories of games we can put. We can. There's really a few categories we can put these games into, right? One of those categories by itself is the conference game. Then you got games that, if their losses are just, you know going to confirm that the Big Ten team is in fact the worst, those being the Illinois, Minnesota, and the Rutgers games. You've got top-level teams against uh, absolute, you know, jobbers, if you will. Um, That'd be your Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin State. Yeah, to you're, a lesser you're, extent, Michigan State's probably kind of on the borderline between the two categories. But you still, still, you got teams against that might as well be the Washington Generals. Right. Um, Indiana at FIU uh, might not be in any of those categories. No. So first of all, you've got the road trip to a Florida team, which is always a distinct thing to do. Is this a reschedule of that hurricane washout? I believe so, yes. All right. Um, so Indiana, we mentioned the suspension of Morgan Allison earlier. They do have a couple other options. Cole Guest is kind of a nice, versatile option for them. Um, and they've been pretty good at replacing skill talent anyway, but they do have some receivers to replace as well. Uh, they opted to go with Peyton Rams, who was last year's stand-in starter until he got hurt. Uh, Richard Lego has graduated, so the choice was going to be between Ramsey and transfer Brandon Dawkins, but they ended up going with Ramsey, so Dawkins will transfer so they can hold. I was kind of unfortunate when that happens, but that's a risk you take. Um, now that being said, FIU is not really the body bag program it was, which Davis took it over. They have a lot more turnover from last season than Indiana does. However, they lost a four-year guy at quarterback in Guff, I think I'm saying his name right, um, and a very good wide receiver in Thomas Owens as well. So their, offense, yeah, their offense is probably going to be a little bit stale, I guess, or stagnant. Um, yep, in, they have moved on from the error, from the era, uh, error and era. Both of uh, of Ron Turner, who is of course the uh, custard shop magnet of Champagne Urbana fame. He was before Cristobal, right? No, he was the guy that they hired to replace Cristobal. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it just went terribly, didn't it? All right. Yeah, well, it was... It, to this day, nobody really understands why they did that, because, you know... They, all, they fired Cristobal, Yeah, they, they fired Cristobal because that. he went 3-9 and nine in a season where, like, there was just injuries, and it was not a roster that was going to win anyway. It was going to be a rough year. It's like, who do you think you are, you friggin' FIU? Yeah, so they got Ron <laughs> Turner, and it went predictably. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot all about that. But in any case, And now Mario uh, Cristobal is the head coach at Oregon. So, yeah, it, this will be an interesting game because, again, FIU, a lot of turnover on the offensive side of the ball. Indiana's got a lot of turnover on defense, though. Um, but given that that's Tom Allen's wheelhouse, you think maybe, hope maybe he can patch some stuff together there. Um, this is a game that Indiana should win, but they're not so strong a program that it's out of the question for them to lose a road game like this. Um, that said, I, I would expect IU to win maybe by 7 to 10 points, somewhere in that range. All right. Let's, then. We'll skip ahead to Nebraska and then come back to kind of the big game after that. So, so Akron at Nebraska, Penn State's eternal rival, will in fact head to Lincoln. Uh, now, unlike Nebraska, they went to their conference title game last year. Right. Um, technically, they they were present. We saw it with our own eyes. Um, but again, this Akron should be better than the one we saw in the title game because they've got key players back from injury. Right. And this is probably going to be the best Akron team that, which Bowden is that? Terry. That Terry Bowden has had. Yeah. Um, you know, of the games that are not um, Notre Dame, Texas, this is, or the conference matchup, this is certainly going to be the most interesting and the most challenging, I think, to the to the extent that Macrofice games are interesting. Um, there are treats in there. <laughs> um, so Akron did go to the MAC team. Um, Nebraska became the third conference team to throw the keys to a true freshman starter. They're going with Adrian Martinez. Um, Scott Frost certainly knows how to coach a quarterback. We saw that with Mackenzie Milton last year. We'll see if Nebraska's, again, still got a pretty good talent edge here, but do they have cohesion issues with the coaching switch such that Akron can keep it interesting? Because this is not going to be a free game. Probably going to have to work for this. And if they win comfortably, I think that would be more of a mark in, in Frost's favor than something you can write off and say, oh, well, that's just a MAC team. No, this would be kind of a feather in his cap to get the season started. Well, and I mean, this is this is one of those this is one of those things where you're a Nebraska fan, you shouldn't expect to lose this game. No. But you've got to keep in mind that it is possible. Yeah, you got possible. to emotionally prepare yourself for this game to be closer than the betting lines would make it look. Yeah. Um, because this is an experienced Akron team that's had the same like you've got a talented coaching staff coming in for Nebraska but Akron has had their machine rolling for a while yeah they've had their machine rolling and part of being in the Big Ten is that you worry about these Mac games okay Nebraska so I don't know how they did things back in the Big 12 but you know the drill already with Northern Illinois last year this part of being in the Big Ten is you, you worry about these games. Well, you know, the good thing about that loss last year, though, I think losing to a MAC team is what gets you your full extent of the revenue. So Nebraska should be entitled to that now. That's kind of a windfall for you, actually. And that, well, wait a minute. Then where's Rutgers' share? Uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> because of a certain cable dispute with a certain internet and cable provider, uh, we, we ain't got it, all right? So we, basically we we're, blaming, put, we're blaming Rutgers for uh We can put something on Comcast. it, but we ain't got it. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to what is certainly the marquee matchup of Week One for the Big Ten: uh, Michigan going to Notre Dame in the insufferable. Yep. Well, you know, you got people around here uh, generally have one side in this one. Of course, you go back to uh, where I'm from, the Chicago area. 
Uh, you see a lot more support for Notre Dame, but you know who I'm pulling for. It's that it's that large near-Earth object that impact. Flaming object in the sky, yeah. So this is going to be an interesting game. Um, I think it's going to be a hideous game because when I think about the quality of the four main on-field units here, both defense, I mean, Michigan's defense is clearly the best. I think Notre Dame's defense is next, then the Notre Dame offense, and then the Michigan offense. I think the separation between the second and third of those is pretty wide. I think both defenses are much better than both offenses. You've got Notre Dame that lost two incredible offensive linemen, as well as a pretty good running back, a pretty good receiver, a pretty good tight end. And granted, they recruit well enough that maybe they can replace those guys. Well, they can't replace Equinemius St. Brown's name. They certainly can. The loss to Notre Dame's entry for the all-names was severe. Uh, but in any case, they have the quarterback returning, but how long does that last with Ryan Kelly on the rampage? You never can tell. Um, and then the defense that has been talked up quite a bit, they did, I think they did lose their defensive coordinator. They, not, they lost one class year. Got or maybe I'm making this up. I don't know. Do you smell toast? I smell well, toast. I, I remember, no, two years ago, they lost their offensive coordinator to Western Kentucky. Uh, Mike Sanford is now the head coach. But let me go ahead and check here. Oh, yeah. Defensive coordinator Mike Elko left to become the defensive coordinator at Texas, Texas A&M. That's right. Jimbo swiped him uh, with a big old bag of Texas money. So yep, it'll well, be interesting to see if their defense carries over what was really a resurgence under him after ruins of Brian Van Gorder. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't think, you know, there's so much confidence in certain media circles around here that Shea Patterson going to be the solution to a lot of Michigan's problem. It just doesn't feel fair, honestly. The guy's never played it under center in his life. Michigan's offensive line is not that good. As much as ESPN wants to talk about it, their receivers were not very good last year. They're physically talented. They're not good footballers. Rest in peace, Eddie McDoom's Michigan career. Yeah, he gone. Oh, one of my favorite names in the whole conference. Did he get? Did we get a transfer destination for him? Where did he? End oh up? man, where did he end up? Huh? No, he just said he's no longer with the team. It was pretty recent, I think. So I, he may have missed the window on being eligible. I mean, he decided he only a sophomore. He would be a junior. He'd be a third. Maybe. Well, he'd okay. I I think. I mean, I've heard all these rumors that Eddie McDoom was going to take an internship with Grim Reaper. <laughs> you always like when guys decide to realistically assess their football careers and move on to the next stage of life. I just think that Eddie McDoom has great upside as Shinigami, of course, God of Death. Basically, I think he'd be a really talented Reaper. I don't think that he was all that... I don't think that he had anywhere near the receiver upside as he did as a Reaper upside. <laughs> all right, so... As is our want, we started with a little bit of substantive insight and then quickly got distracted by a shiny object, completely lost our train of thought. So to circle back, how do we expect this game to, to shake out between Michigan and Notre Dame? Pick a winner first. Uh, realistically, I kind of think Notre Dame squeaks this one out um, because I just don't, I just, I'll, there's nothing that's going to make me believe in Michigan's offense, you know, in the hypothetical. They, frankly, they've done more than enough to convince me that their offense is going to be worse than I expected every single time. And it's hard to understand why because they've got so much talent. But the other thing to remember is Michigan has a totally new offensive coaching staff now. They've rebooted that whole thing. So even though they've got no, the pieces... Pep, no, no, Pep, no, <laughs> no, Pep, no! Even though they've got the pieces, um, I don't know if we're going to see it yet. I don't know if we're going to see it on the road. Michigan has been really bad on the road against good teams for several years running now. Um, I do think Notre Dame is going to win this one. What I would prefer is if this were a 3-0 Michigan victory in the end of seven overtimes, dropping both teams from future AP poll consideration. And it's so hideous that both rosters are suspended forever and ever. 
All right, so that takes us through the entire Big Ten slate for this year at long last. My goodness, our For this time, year. Our run, <laughs> for our this run week. time is eternal. But we are going to take a quick spin around the rest of the country, see if there are any games that interest us. We mentioned a few of the high-profile ones earlier. Alabama, Louisville, if you're into that kind of S&M sort of thing. Um, well, of course, remember last year, Alabama just... Uh, Alabama broke Florida State's quarterback and then broke them so bad that their coach the coach left away. at the end. Their coach ran the hell away. <laughs> All right, and that, that was after they'd lost... Uh, that, that was right after they'd lost a very talented quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Or no, that was... Well... That was one year after... Injury, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so so now here's another quarterback-driven program with a, a very seedy head coach that uh, now must face Judgment Day against <laughs> Nick Saban. The, he'll face the righteous <laughs> cleansing from the tide, y'all. This is good. Man, yeah, if Bobby Petrino gets his comeuppance here, it'll be a little bit of cosmic justice. So looking elsewhere on the schedule, we've got Washington-Auburn. <laughs> Don't fall uh, off that motorbike, Bobby. we got, we got Tennessee and Hold West on Virginia. Tight. That could be nice and hillbilly. Uh, we mentioned the Michigan-Oregon game, of course. Uh, Miami, I LSU. do not know why Tennessee is already ranked in the AP poll. Other than that, they're called Tennessee. They're, they're not. I don't think they're not ranked. They're not. No. West oh no, I saw. I saw the. It was not the West Virginia. It was a Virginia Tech one where both are ranked. That's Virginia Tech, Florida State. That being said, I don't sneaky, know why Florida State's ranked. A sneaky, interesting game. Well, I mean, because they've still got the talent. Yeah. They still. I mean, Cam Akers is going to be. Probably a comparable guy to Dalvin Cook by the time he's done. I see I saw a lot of those flashes, a lot of limited action he had last year. So um, that's going to be an interesting game on Labor Day when they'll pretty much have the stage themselves. Uh, looking around, other ranked games. I mean, we've got Cincinnati and UCLA. That's not a ranked. It's kind of an even matchup. Uh, yeah, yeah, Boise State. State and Troy. I mean, Troy was a very competitive team in the Sun Belt. They knocked off LSU last year. Have no idea what they're returning this year. But Boise State is going on the road to a team in the South. What do you what do you expect to see there? Oh man, I expect Boise State to win it, but it to be very very close. It's always a shame when you have these group of five teams play each other because it's really really exciting. But it's a each nice one of them yeah. could yeah each one of them could be out slaying a, a, another Power Five opponent. It's kind of like when you know the end of those BCS seasons where you had multiple undefeated teams and you're just like. Oh, instead of exposing them to, you know, a team that they might be able to beat and gain credibility, let's just make them play each other. Yeah. <laughs> like they did with Boise State and TCU all the time. Yep. But uh, I am shocked, 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 shocked that, uh, oh God, is it Neil Brown? Yes, it's Neil Brown is still the head coach at Troy because he's currently 25 and 13 there. I, I just... It's just incredible that he's not been poached by a bigger program. So, all right. We've mentioned a few of these interesting games. I don't know if any of them necessarily qualify for prediction of the week. Uh, predictription, of yeah, course. Predictription of the week. I'll tell you who I'm going with. That's going to be the Army Black Knights over Duke. Um, I haven't seen the betting line on this. I might not even qualify for a predict trip of the week because maybe Duke is not going to be favored at home. Uh, Army, 10 wins last year. Jeff Munkins really got it rolling there. They'll need a new quarterback to replace Ahmad Bradshaw, but that's so much of a system and development program anyway. That Wait a minute. How is Edgar Allan Poe? Is he still there? Wide receiver? I don't know. Um, they, the preview that I looked at and they lost a couple receivers, but they also had a five reception last year. So so is he going to play? Never mind. Damn. Okay, so on my radar, I'll tell you what. The lane train is coming. The lane train is coming to Memorial Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma, and it is coming for Oklahoma. Now, my prediction for the dick trip of the week is going to be 
Stanford's going to drop one to San Diego State. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire.